This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Mike Sedita. Hello out there. Welcome to episode 112 of the Good Neighbor Podcast here in Pasco County. I'm your host, Mike Sedita, and I am joined today by Dr. Alejandra Navarro. She is the vet owner, practitioner, head lady in charge at PetSmart Veterinary Services. Dr. Navarro, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the Good Neighbor Podcast. If you're not familiar with what the Good Neighbor Podcast is, we started in 2020 during COVID when everybody was socially distant and you were meeting patients in the parking lot and no one could come into a facility. The Good Neighbor Podcast was born as a way for business owners, charitable groups, philanthropic efforts to basically get their information out to the community so people could hear about it. And it's also for other entrepreneurs that like to listen to business podcasts to see some of the things that owners go through and how they get through them and how they run their business to give them some experience. Since 2020, the Good Neighbor Podcast is now in Denver, Atlanta, Virginia, all over the country. I'm fortunate enough to be the person here in Tampa that gets to talk to outstanding individuals and good neighbors like yourself. So with that being said, Tell us a little bit about PetSmart Veterinary Services. All right. So we are a small practice, privately owned, and we have just opened at the end of February this year. So we're still fairly new. Uh, we have a full service clinic. So we do uh, comprehensive care, which is, you know, vaccination, surgery, lab work, imaging, pretty much like whatever the pet needs. Um, I see cats, dogs, exotics, pocket pets, uh, <laughs> everything. So let me ask you this. Where Where is your office located? So we're uh, inside the PetSmart over at the Grove in Wesley Chapel. Okay. So pretty much uh, back of the store where the old vet clinic used to be. Gotcha. So um, so that's fun. There's always a nice amount of traffic over there at the Grove mm-hmm. and the crates getting in and out of there. So do you live in the area? Are you in Pasco County, Wesley Chapel, Lando Lakes area? I'm in Lutz. You're in Lutz. So it's not a far commute for you to get into the office. Yeah. And then... Um, pocket pets, you know, people who are, you know, everybody knows what a cat and a dog is. I mean, I obviously know what dogs are. Norman is in the podcast with me. He's literally in the podcast right now, snoring two feet away from me, but, um, pocket pets are like hamsters and things like that. Right. And then exotics would be iguanas and baby spider monkeys and things like that. Do we have any of those around here? I haven't had any monkeys. No, but I do see quite a bit of reptiles. So that would be the thing. Like I love, clearly I'm a mental case when it comes to animals. I have tattoos of all my dogs on my arms where I would have to tap out other than not being smart enough to be a veterinarian. If I had to see like a boa constrictor or uh, (laughs) some sort of reptile, I'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Somebody else come in and handle this. Have you always in your, you know, since you were a little girl, always wanted to be a vet and always had this love for animals. And has it always been all different types of animals? Yeah, it's a bit of a cliche. I definitely love animals. I used to pet sit an iguana (laughs) when I was younger. (laughs) It's funny, a friend of mine, my former vet when I lived in Atlanta, she had like a bearded, I guess it's like a bearded dragon. I don't know. Right. And it would play, not play. I mean, play is like loose term would kind of hang out with her dogs and they got along well and it was okay. I'm always afraid. Like I have a bulldog and like, he just literally like, I think he would like, I don't know what he would do. Like he's only met two cats in his entire life. Like he, he's very sheltered. My Norman is very, very sheltered. So he doesn't have that. So 
do you find interactions like in the clinic, like I've been in clinics where it's just like pun intended. It's like a zoo. Like there's just animals going crazy. Have you ever had an interaction with a, a reptile and a, and a cat or a dog where they just didn't get along or freaked out? Uh, so we, we do try to avoid that kind of scenario unless they're pets, they're housed together. And we know how those interactions are going to play out. Right. Uh, mainly because, uh, you know, they're animals at the end of the day, it's a little bit hard to predict how they're going to react towards one another. So we wouldn't want to place an animal, uh, in any danger. So my next question really is in your journey, like you've always loved pets. It's kind of a cliche. I get all that. Um, like, where did you grow up? How did you get here? Have you always lived in Lutz? Are you from somewhere else? Do you know, where did you kind of go through your training to go on your journey to get here in the Grove? Yeah, so I actually was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And uh, while I was there, I ended up volunteering at a veterinary clinic through a friend of a friend. And uh, from there, I started learning the ropes. And I figured out I really liked this. And I wanted to pursue a career. Um, I ended up going to college uh, in Iowa, <laughs> so I went to Iowa in, State. In Iowa, okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. Puerto Rico to Iowa is kind of a, I mean, I want to say culture shock. Yeah, I think culture shock is actually the right word. Yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> it was a great experience, though, and I actually worked with laboratory animals during college. Um, I volunteered a racehorse track. I really just wanted to see yeah. All kinds of animals in different areas. And I decided to pursue veterinary medicine at that point. So then I moved back to the Caribbean and I went to school in St. Kitts. Okay. So let me ask you, like, do you always, the question I always have, like I have this for lawyers and I have it for police officers and I have it for vets. Like I always ask lawyers, like, do you watch law and order? Like cops, do you watch like Chicago PD? Do you watch shows on TV like Dr. Pohl or whatever his name is? Like, does that stuff, you live in it every day. So it's not like that stuff just doesn't like to see what happens when he's doing stuff to horses. And it's like, that just doesn't appeal to you. That's not a thing. I don't know. I never really got into those shows. And I think that while I was a student, um, I just wasn't watching that kind of programming, to be honest. I was watching stuff in Spanish. So. So you went from you went from empanadas to like corn on the cob, a lot of corn on the cob in Iowa. A lot of it, yeah. All right. So so let me ask you this. When you as a as a veterinarian, I mean you see, you know, you see this wide gamut of things. What would be a myth or a misconception that you run into where, you know, pet owners, I mean, look, I'm a pet owner and I'm a relatively level-headed pet owner. There are a lot of really crazy pet owners that freak out like about the stuff that's going on. But what is one of the things you have to like level set for them? A a misconception that they come across that you need to instruct them on the the truth about it. Hmm. I think that the cost of veterinary care Mm. is not very well understood, unfortunately. And for a lot of clients, it comes as a shock when their pet needs to have expensive diagnostics or life-saving procedures and they just haven't planned ahead for that yeah it's a it's a sticker shock and i think that for some people unfortunately they tend to take it out on the the veterinary team and uh unfortunately they will um kind of assume you know that we're either in it for the money or that we don't care which obviously isn't true it's just 
it's expensive. And as every other business right now, everything's really expensive right now. You know, I, I, you know, I tell this story. I mean, that is a recurring theme, right? Like I, I, here's my thing. My take on pets is when you take on a pet, you are taking that pet on for life. Like that is, it is a lifetime commitment of that pet's lifetime. And, you know, look, I own bulldogs. I've owned bulldogs. I've had six bulldogs in the past 20 years. So if I get out of the vet with less than $300 being forked over, I'm like, oh, all right, that wasn't a, that wasn't a bad, a bad visit. Um, and I think for me, I've always had pet insurance. You know, there are ways to mitigate that. Like care mm-hmm. credit has a great program, right? I'm assuming you work with care credit. You, yes. you, you work with those guys. Um, so care credit is great. If people who are listening don't know, I mean, one time, one of my dogs needed a $2,000 surgery and I just didn't have $2,000 cash. And the vet, gave us this information about care credit. They covered it. They have all these programs, interest-free and all these different things, whatever. That's one way to mitigate that myth, you know, that misconception. Um, But then I also have pet insurance. I mean, Norman, I pay more for Norman's pet insurance monthly than I pay for my own. Um, And it's only for one reason. It is literally only for the one instance that he needs, like happened during COVID, March of 2020, Norman got pneumonia. He was in Blue Pearl for seven days in a hyperbaric chamber. And every day they just kept asking for another deposit and another deposit. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in the situation where I have to make a decision for my pet's health. Like, do I put my pet to sleep or because I can't afford it because I didn't plan properly? So that's why I have the, the insurance on that. I mean, do you have those conversations? I mean, when someone's in there, it's hard to say, hey, get pet insurance now. But like, I'm assuming that having the care credit is one of those things that kind of helps offset that for some people. Yeah, for that kind of situation, care credit as well as scratch pay are two okay. uh, accessible options. What we really try to do is focus on uh, preventive care and responsible yeah. pet ownership. So when you're coming in with your new puppy or your new kitten, kind of having that conversation you know, hey, this is the time when you need to start looking into insurance. Stuff happens, right? Puppies, they'll break bones, they'll eat yeah. socks, they need surgery. Um, the good thing is insurance for pets now is also covering wellness services. Not all right. of them, but, but you know, you have that option. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So your wellness visits, your vaccines, like the routine stuff can also be covered. Well, you know, the, the other part of it too, and you talked about responsible pet ownership, Nothing makes me cringe more than when I meet somebody and they go, oh, I love my dog. He's so great. Well, what heartworm medication do you give them? And they go, oh, I don't give them heartworm medication. Like stuff like even stuff like that, like flea and tick and heartworm medication and things that are preventative to help keep the animal from get running into stuff. Now, I I mean, you could attest to this. This is a misconception maybe on my part. It, are pure purebreds are more prone to have issues than a mutt that you found in the in the pound? Is that true? Yes and no. I think that for purebreds, the issue is uh, genetically, right? If we haven't had responsible breeding, that there may be conditions that are you know uh, favored towards those breeds. Right. So they're more likely to get things like early cancer or skin disease or respiratory issues that a mutt obviously has more of a generic variation that they don't have to struggle with as much as that. Right. Yeah, that is the one thing. I mean, overall, out of out of my six bulldogs, 
they've all had like one little thing here or there, but the biggest thing has been allergies, you know, mm-hmm. allergic. Like Norman takes Apoquil. Mm-hmm. We've done Cytopoint injections. We've tried all that stuff. Um, the Apoquil seems to keep him in check, but this poor dog is allergic to grass. We've even tried, um, they, I don't know the medication, you would know what it is, but it's almost like they tested him to figure out what he had. Then they gave him drops that he had to put under his tongue to give him the actual allergy, like to give him the, the stuff that makes him break out. And then over, a, over like a six week or eight week or, you know, two, three month period, having it in his system consistently is supposed to build up his immunity to it. We tried that, whatever that was called. It was a couple of years ago. And it just made him so much worse. Like his eyes were red, his hair was falling out. And finally after, because they kept saying, hey, you have to kind of let it take. You have to let it take. But after six months, I, I couldn't watch him. And I just couldn't watch. I felt like I was killing him, giving him this stuff. So um, so we've switched it up and he's a lot better. But Bulldogs, I mean, you know, listen, I my vet in Atlanta, when I had four English Bulldogs at the same time, I don't know. I felt so special because I never had to wait in the waiting room. I would walk in. Everybody knew my name. They were going to name a wing after my family because I think I put two of the doctor's kids through college. But um, but bulldogs are just expensive. And I tell people all the time, like, look, if you can't afford to buy a bulldog, you can't afford to own a bulldog. I mean, the, the buying it is just like the the entry fee for what's going to go on when you have them. So uh, I, I'm I guess you you know at the clinic you like to see bulldogs come in. You know those parents are twisted and they have uh, they have deep pockets because they have to to take care of this thing. Not like, all of them. Some people guys, don't realize what they're getting into, and then you know six. When months. you see someone getting out of the car with two bulldogs, is everybody behind the counter just rubbing their hands together, excited like like Doctor Evil, excited <laughs> about the money that's coming in? It's like whoa, we got this. Look at these. I got two bulldogs. Actually, I'd have to say it's the opposite. I feel like we get a lot of people with that breed that have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And so it's it's hard because you have to have that conversation like your your pet will have probably allergies for life and they're not even a year old yet. And you're right. already like, you know, ready to <laughs> to give up. Yeah, that's the hardest part. You see a lot of those. I mean, that's why they're these bulldog rescues are so prevalent. And then the other part of it, too, that's crazy now. Like when I got my first bulldog, I think the English bulldog was like 43rd on the list for the AKC. And now French Bulldogs are the number one breed. Everybody got has them. They love them. They're great. They're cute. They're a smaller version with pointy ears of what I have. Um, so it's just going to be a whole more, a whole bunch more of them. Um, and I, I, listen, I don't know. I don't know the statistics of it. I, I have a friend who has a French Bulldog. I have an English Bulldog. He doesn't seem to have as many issues with the French Bulldog as I do with the English Bulldog. Maybe it's the weight. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. But I'm sure they have all those inherent short brachialis mm-hmm. issues that all of them have like pugs and everybody else. So, um, all right. So you're in the clinic, you're taking care of all these p- poor people with bulldogs that are broke because they have bulldogs. What do you do when you're not in the clinic? What do you do for fun? Uh, so we definitely love traveling and that's kind of what we work towards. Uh, so once a year we like to go obviously out of the country. We just got back from Spain <laughs> Okay. And we like driving. Your husband, your kids, is it a big thing? Who who goes? Uh, My boyfriend, myself, and friends. So we like to rent cars and do road trips and uh, explore. (laughs) Okay. So where's the last road trip you did? Through Florida or did you go? Where'd you go? We went to Spain. Okay. So that Spain, you rented cars and just kind of went off into the 
into like the countryside to look yeah. around and explore. So we actually started at the south and drove all the way up to the north. And how long of a trek is that? So forget the flight over to, to Spain, but like when you rent a car and you're going to drive this, the Spanish countryside, is it a, are you like stopping at like Airbnbs along the road during the trip? Is it a multiple day thing or is it like one day through the whole country? No, you definitely need to make multiple stops. So we try to find small towns along the way to get gas and food. And then we're probably driving like five to eight hours uh, a day. So it, it does take some time. But we, you know, if you like driving, <laughs> it's not okay, bad. But are you are you stopping like, see, here's my problem is when I go on a drive like that, I want to get to where my destination is supposed to be. But in that type of experience is really not a destination, right? It's enjoying the ride. So if you're driving and you say to your, like your boyfriend's driving and you're in the passenger seat, say, and you see the most beautiful tree in the distance, are you the co-pilot who's going, hitting him and saying, pull over, look at that tree. We have to stop and take 17 pictures for Instagram in front of that tree. So we'll stop. (laughs) We'll definitely stop. But we're, you know, you have to be flexible. We'll have a plan about where we want to go, where we want to stay. Those plans change because you get there and you're like, I actually really like where we are tonight. Let's stay here until tomorrow. Right. That's cool. So, yeah. That's cool. So is it, when you plan something like that, do you say, okay, we have a two week window or whatever the, the time allotted is. And we have a couple of, we have a couple of pins in the map of what we're going to do, but then you just kind of go where the road takes you. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, besides the Spain trip, what was like, what is a Do you like to go to, if you like to travel or you guys, you seem adventurous. Do you, do you go surfing on the Spanish coastline? Do you skydive? Do you, uh, or do you like, do you also like just go into, I mean, you're from the Caribbean. So do you like to go to like a beach in, I don't know, uh, St. Martin and just sit on the beach for a week? Or is that just too boring for you guys? I love the beach. My boyfriend does not. <laughs> so we we tend to stay uh, there for not too long. Uh, so we'll visit the beach for a little bit and then kind of move out from there. Uh, we definitely prefer the countryside. And right. so less busy areas and then just kind of like walking around and um, eating. <laughs> Yeah, that's a two week vacation through Spain. You're going to have to take like semi glutide for like a week or two before you go, (laughs) just in preparation. You have to clean out the tank and clear everything out, (laughs) drop a few pounds to go there because the bread and the wine and all the other stuff that's going on is a little add up quick. All the wine. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of wine. So, all right. So, you know, this is, we we know the the clinic side. We, We talked about that. We talked about what you like to do for fun. Let me ask you this. Other than moving from Puerto Rico to Iowa, can you tell us a hardship maybe in your business that when you were going through it, you said, hey, look, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but somehow you turned it around and have made it successful? I think that um, understaffing, I would have to say, is the biggest challenge that we have faced and we're currently facing. I think everyone (laughs) probably has experienced that in their business at some point. It's it's tough because uh, we're trying to provide the best care that we can and see as many people as we can, because as I'm sure you're familiar, it's really hard to get a same day appointment and people are yeah. getting turned away from, you know, their, their vets. And we, we want to help with that. That's why we opened the clinic. We know there's a need for that care. 
So just trying to find a, a balance in the schedule and prioritizing people that need to have their pets seen right away. Um, and, and is it just logistics of having, is it people like front desk folks? Is it actual staff that are, are uh, you know, clinicians that are in the room with you, like vet techs, if you will? Um, what's the hardest thing you're having trouble finding at this point? I would have to say uh, every position has every been a bit day. of a struggle. Yeah. And, um, you, don't you know, you have somebody call out because they're sick or yeah. something. And yeah. then I have one less person to to work that day. Which means I can do less as well. I depend heavily on my technicians. You know, it, it's funny. I talk to a ton of business owners and coming out of COVID 2021-ish, it was a weird thing in the state of Florida because just nobody wanted to work. Like people just were still getting government assistance. They didn't want to work. It was easier to stay home and collect a check and blah, blah, blah. And then I think, you know, at one point, something kind of flipped and people were like, hey, I got to get back to work. I got to start doing something. But it's still a lot of business owners, a lot of the trades people I deal with too, same thing, finding people that'll show up on time, come mm-hmm. to work, be reliable. But the calling out sick thing is a problem. If somebody, you know, that's always a problem, no matter what business. I mean, I ran mm-hmm. a call center at one point and you'd have seven people call out in a day when you have 65 people. So 10% of your workforce is completely just vapor and gone and the calls don't stop and the people don't stop calling in. So, um, so, so let me ask you this, you know, business question, you know, it's not really necessarily a hardship, but what makes you decide like there's a bunch of different ways you can go, right? There's, there's, and for lack of a better term, there's the corporate veterinarian clinic with like within the corp, within the corporate structure of PetSmart or like Banfield or some of these other bigger, you know, veterinarian clinics that are national brands versus just going and opening up Navarro Pet Clinic. I mean, what, 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 what made you go this way versus the other way? Was it the structure? Was it, um, was there benefits to it that you saw that that uh, helped as opposed to going out and just opening a small clinic? Yeah, so I'm still, I mean, not necessarily recently graduated, but I've uh, still fairly young in the field and to open a practice nowadays and, you know, property is really expensive. Finding um, space is, is difficult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what PetSmart is doing is they have these empty spaces that they're basically renting out to veterinarians. So the, the structures there, the building, you're inside of a store. So obviously like you have clientele walking through learning right. about you. So for me, that was just a win-win. That's cool. That makes sense. And that's kind of what I was getting at. The structure of being in there, you have some brand recognition because your name is associated with a large scale brand. I get all that. And does it work similar like to another franchise? Like if I started uh, McDonald's, you know, I have to, uh, you know, besides just the rent of the space, is there like a quote unquote franchise fee that's component to what you do also? Yeah. Okay. We do have one. Yeah, that's so I mean listen, there's there's it's a kind of a catch twenty two. Like some people like that freedom to do what they want when they want. I'm assuming though, even though you're paying your franchise fee, you get to run your clinic the way you see to run your clinic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's your services, it's just kind of attached to their name a little bit. So yeah. If there's one thing people need to know, if I am in the Lutz, Wesley Chapel area and I am, you know, I have to see a veterinarian, what would be the one thing they need to know about coming to see you that would differentiate you from all the other places out there? 
Um, we definitely want to make sure that we're making veterinary care accessible. And we know that everyone's taking care of their family, their kids are working. So we accept walk-ins, same-day appointments. I'll take drop-offs. So if you need to go to work and your dog's sick and you need to just drop him off and pick him up after work, you know, we'll help you with that. And we work really hard uh, towards communicating with our clients throughout the day. So you know what's going on. We won't do anything without discussing it with our clients first and making sure that we're all on the same page. And what is the best way? I mean, obviously, we know you're up there in the Grove. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of an exploding area in, in the Wesley Chapel area. What's the best phone number to reach you, website, any of that information you want to give out to the people listening? Yeah, so our phone number, uh, 813-761-1241. Uh, we do have online scheduling and uh, social media where you can just go on the bios and click on those links and access our scheduling platform. Um, we even have a tablet uh, at the front of the, the clinic. So if we're closed and you're a pet smart buying food and you're like, hey, my dog needs something X, Y, or Z, you can actually go on that tablet and you can schedule an appointment as well. That's pretty cool. Um, so guys, if you're listening to this, if you live in Lexington Oaks, which is right around the corner, if you live in Saddlebrook or Seven Oaks, which is right across the, the other side of 75, you're very close to the Grove. You do not have to fight the crate traffic because where the store lo is located is kind of a away from that. It's over by the, the big, the big uh, retail shops over there. So don't worry about it. Go up to 54, check in Wesley Chapel Boulevard, and go up to the Grove. Come see Dr. Navarro. If you have to bring your pet in, if it's a walk-in, they're willing to take you on. Um, be patient with her staffing issues, but she is here to serve the community and be a good neighbor. You can reach her at 813-761-1241. Or if you just hate talking to human beings and you only want to talk to your dog, you can go online and go onto her online scheduler there as well. Dr. Navarro, thank you so much for being on the Good Neighbor Podcast. You have an amazing week. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Passcode. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnppasco.com. That's gnppasco.com or call 813-922-3610.